Welcome to Software Security Chat Chat, episode 263 for the 6th of October, 2017. I'm Chester Wisniewski, and I'm coming to you live from Madrid, Spain at the Virus Bulletin 2017 conference with my colleague, John Shire. Welcome back to the podcast, John. Thank you, Chester. It's been a little while, but uh, I'm glad to be back on the podcast again and, and talking security. Yeah, hopefully I'll be, be able to make it a little more of a habit now that we're, we're finally kicking off the first numbered chat chat in a couple months. But it's been a really busy summer, so uh, and, and mostly in a good way, not just because uh, of some rather large outbreaks. I'm going to kick off this podcast by presenting a brief interview I did with the uh, editor of Virus Bulletin and uh, the person who helps organize the conference and select the talks and things. And, and I thought it was really important to chat with Martijn uh, for a few minutes, uh, just kind of about VB. And if you're not familiar with VB, you know, have a listen. I think it's a great resource of information, not just about the antivirus industry, but about security in general. And here's that interview. Coming to you live here from Virus Bulletin in Madrid, Spain this year. And uh, I have with me Martin Grouten, and he'll he'll maybe correct me uh, saying it correctly. He's uh, 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 you're the editor of Virus Bulletin, and I thought maybe you could share with us a little bit of the highlights of this year's event. I mean, I know you guys plan kind of the whole year to put together this three day event for those of us in the industry, and uh, you know, share with our listeners a little bit of what kind of work you do at Virus Bulletin and some of the things you, you're really proud of from this year's conference. Okay, thank you. I'm uh, Martijn Grote. I'm the editor of Virus Bulletin. This has been our 27th Virus Bulletin conference, and or as we call it, the International Virus Bulletin conference, and that's for me, maybe the highlight of the conference, we've got speakers from all six continents. We've got delegates from 40, 50 different countries. And, and we had some really great content. Some of my personal favorites are, uh, we had an opening keynote by John Graham Cumming from Cloudflare, uh, who talked about a really big bug in their systems called Cloudbleed. He was extremely open about what happened, what mistakes they made, what lessons they learned. Um, and I really wish more companies, more IT companies would, would be this open. I think that's extremely rare. And I was really honored that he, uh, that he came to do a keynote. We had some, what I think are very important talks on um, one by uh, Claudio Guarnieri from Amnesty International, who spoke about uh, human rights uh, activists around the world and the digital threats they're facing. I think that's something that we as a security industry are all aware of, but we're maybe not focusing as much as we should, especially given the different threat models. Uh, and, and somewhat related to that was a talk by Joseph Cox, a journalist from the Daily Beast, who spoke about stalkerware or spouseware, that, that's spyware used uh, by people in, in abusive relationships and sometimes with really tragic consequences. And that's another thing that everyone is kind of aware of, but we don't really think about that kind of threat model. Yeah, I, I agree. I had the privilege of chairing those sessions. The last two you talked about, the Claudio and, and Joseph, you know, sometimes though, when, you, when, you're, when you're at conferences like this, uh, you, you don't get that kind of honesty. And we often focus a little too much always on the technical things. You know, uh, you know, here at VB, it's really, you know, a lot, a lot of us work in the antivirus industry. And, and uh, certainly there's, you know, some enterprise uh, users and things that attend as well. But uh, we all know one another quite well. And that openness that John shared in his keynote about that incident at Cloudflare and how they lost the data and the mistakes on it all the things that led up to it, or or simply the, the more social side that Claudio and, and Joseph brought to the t table. I think we need a lot more of that in the security business, right? We, we we go to the black hats and the DEF cons and the B-sides and the infosecs and all these things. And it's all about the latest exploit code and uh, you know how we reverse engineered this banking Trojan. And while that's, of course, part of the conference as well, it was really nice to see that balance where we're starting to have conversations about where are we going wrong? 
wrong? What mistakes did we make? What did we learn from our incident? Uh, and that type of thing. And I, I find that really encouraging. What other types of resources uh, throughout the year other than the conference here does Virus Bulletin offer for people that are interested in security? We have a blog where throughout the year we, we write about security issues and we try to take a holistic view, not trying to jump from one incident to another incident, but but looking at the bigger picture. I think that's that's where our strength is. We do a lot of, of software testing, of security software testing, uh, seeing uh, if they block the, the viruses, the malware, the spam that they claim to block, uh, which is an important issue, even if it's slightly a, a niche subject. But if you're if you're working for a vendor or if you're interested in, in getting a new product, then these things do matter. And we, we publish technical articles by by anyone who, who wants to share their information, doesn't have their own platform. And there are a lot of great researchers out there who do things in their free time or work for a small company. And, and we, we edit them, we publish them online. Yeah, that's great. And I think, you know, I really recommend the blog. Uh, uh, it's virusbtn.com is the, the main website. And you can uh, see a lot of Martin's opinions there. And what I like about it is just, like you said, you're not jumping on the topic usually in the first two hours before we know anything. It's that couple days later, we've got all the information about something, right? And now you're providing that perspective to go rather than reacting to, uh, you know, the instant uh, headline, uh, as we sadly saw one of our uh, competitors have a, a, a rather large incident in the media yesterday. And, and it was it was a breath of fresh air being here instead of being on Twitter because we were all having a serious conversation about it with our colleagues uh, about how we really feel about these issues when they make the press instead of the circus that was that was happening on Twitter with a lot of uh, other uh, parts of the security community. So I think that's uh, another really valuable thing is the community that we have here at Virus Bulletin is a, a community of kind of a lot of us are very proud to be a part of. So uh, thanks very much for a few minutes of your time. I know you're busy during the conference and we appreciate it. Okay, well, thank you. Uh, I, I appreciate that you noticed this side of the blog. There's, there's a little anecdote uh, I'd just like to share. Just after NotPetya, uh, my boss emailed me a few hours later saying, oh, we need to write something about that. And I said, no, we do not. And I stopped using the Virus Bulletin Twitter account for, for a few days just before because there was so much news and so much fake news or, or incorrect news uh, going on that it wasn't our job to, to filter the news. It was our job to wait a few days, look at what really happened and, and see what it really meant. Uh, so yeah, do visit our website at uh, www.virusbulletin.com. Well, I hope you found that informative. Uh, I certainly had a great time at, both at the conference uh, and chatting with with uh, not just the VB colleagues, but so many of our, our competitors and friends from all around the world, because this is really an important time for us to be able to get together and share information that it can be difficult to necessarily do through a lot of the other forums that are out there. And there's nothing like being together in person to do that. Now, I'm going to hand things over to John for a moment. Him and I have been attending the conference this week, and I, I want to present just some of the highlights that we saw from the event. And, uh, you know, if you had to pick a, I guess, not necessarily a favorite talk, but one you thought, uh, you know, had a lot of impact and uh, uh, taught you something or, or showed a way that we can collaborate and cooperate together, what, what do you think is kind of um, uh, high on your list? The first two I'd like to highlight were from day one, and uh, there were two gentlemen that were highlighting more of the social side, the social impact of the malware that uh, we're fighting every single day. So not only do we have things like ransomware and banking trojans that impact organizations and, and potentially cost the organizations money in terms of time and resources, as well as actual uh, money that they may have to spend on remediating, but the social impact gets often lost. And the first one was from uh, Claudio Guarnieri from Amnesty International. And the second one was Joseph Cox from the Daily Beast. And they both highlighted how some of the malware, mostly things like rats, uh, how they can impact 
impact users physically and how these some of these users that are being targeted by either repressive re regimes or um, or just any interested party can often result in sometimes incarceration but unfortunately sometimes also result in death of the targeted in of the targeted individual and then in Joseph's talk that was Claudia's talk and in Joseph's talk he was talking about how uh, some of these uh, apps that you can put on mobile phones to spy on your partner your spouse your boyfriend your girlfriend uh, can also have some very kinetic effects in, in the real world in terms of uh, domestic abuse and violence. So I think those are often overlooked. We focus very much on the impacts to organizations, but there is a definite impact to people in the real world when it comes to some of this malware. Yeah, as I mentioned with uh, Martine, I, I, of course, uh, also chaired those sessions. I quite enjoyed them, and I'm glad that you saw value in them as well. Normally, I, I, I always like to talk about our colleagues when they're presenting at conferences, and we were fortunate enough to have two of our colleagues present here at VB this year. We had Roland Yu and Gabor Zapanos, and, uh, or Zappi affectionately as we call him at Sophos. And uh, uh, sadly, I was unable to attend Roland's session, but I did see uh, Gabor this morning and I was really uh, impressed with the level of effort he put into the talk. Uh, the talk won the Peter Zor Award, well not the talk, but uh, Gabor did, but partly because of the talk uh, for the best paper. And that's a, an honorary award for a, um, someone in our community who passed on a few years ago to is now awarded every year to the, the best uh, technical paper of the conference. And Gabor uh, was chosen as the best. And uh, I think he really deserved it. I was, I was super pleased with the presentation this morning, not just uh, because he's a colleague, but uh, even as someone uh, who works on uh, a lot of these things and stays up to date with much of Gabor's research, uh, he kind of took it to another level and, and he really showed some of the depth of the personalities behind uh, these malicious document builders, how they're being forked in the underground and how different criminal people and or groups with lots of different uh, backgrounds from, of course, uh, uh, Western to Middle Eastern to former Soviet, uh, all are involved in, in, in selling these malicious document building tools. And even how it appears that a recent uh, APT uh, disclosure by uh, some research by Palo Alto Networks showed how... Uh, it looks like governments are now forking criminal exploit kit document builders and using them for their own purposes, even though they may use their own exploits. Uh, they're using much of the framework to make it easy to build and deploy these malicious documents, which was something I wasn't aware of. And, you know, with as many malicious attachments as we see coming into our mailboxes every day, it really is a bit eye opening to see how much development work is going on the back end and how much risk that presents, even with some of these old vulnerabilities, but also, of course, um, how new vulnerabilities he barely added in and he showed most of the kits now they're including quite a few uh, Microsoft Office vulnerabilities in particular from 2016 and 2017 which just raises the risk even higher for people that aren't staying on top of their patches. Yeah I quite enjoyed that talk as well not only because he's a colleague because uh, the research was uh, exceptionally well done. One of the other talks I'd like to highlight goes into some of that detail as well it was uh, a talk that was from um, Liam Omerku from Symantec and uh, Ryan McFarlane from the FBI unfortunately the FBI agent wasn't able to make it, but he recorded uh, a nice video for us and uh, and sort of laid the groundwork for that talk, which was about the Bayrob malware, which initially started out as a car fraud malware on eBay and uh, eventually then morphed into all sorts of different things. Uh, they were credential stealers. They were doing spamming. They were doing basically everything under the sun under the name of this particular piece of malware, which had been under development by this same group for around 15 years now. It was first spotted back in 2002. And uh, it, it looks like the FBI has made some ground into at least getting uh, some of these people 
identified back in 2016 with cooperation from Romanian law enforcement. What that really goes to show is how professional some of these organizations are. You know, the the talk started off with asking people how long they'd been in their current job, and not many people had been in the 15 plus year category of being working for their current employer. So it uh, it really does open your eyes when you see these professional groups that are able to uh, I- infiltrate hundreds of thousands of computers. The the botnet itself was uh, over 500 strong. Five, sorry. 500,000 strong at, at, at one time. And um, they were organized as any you know organization could be, as any corporation could be in terms of having people uh, handling all sorts of different portions of the business of this particular Bayrob malware. So just a really good piece of research, a nice historical perspective on the evolution of one of the key pieces of malware that's been in the scene for a very long time. And it was is another example of how cooperation between our industry and law enforcement can actually do some good. And that was really one of the points is that uh, if you're doing this kind of research and if you're finding things that will help identify some of the individuals behind the malware that uh, you're discovering, then by all means, do contact law enforcement because in, in you know, little ways, we can help clean up uh, large parts of the internet by bringing some of these people down. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it as well. Liam's a great speaker. And uh, you know, I, I remember when he did uh, the presentation around Stuxnet many years ago uh, on behalf of Symantec as well. And uh, he's just a great researcher and a, a real asset to our community. Lastly, I'm going to just talk about the keynotes really briefly because I thought they they were both interesting in completely different ways, even though they were sort of a, a little bit of a segue between them. Uh, the first, uh, the opening keynote this year was Dr. John Graham Cumming, uh, who used to actually consult with a, a division of Sophos as one of our advisors at Active State when we were building our spam products many moons ago. And Dr. Cumming was there largely to sort of um, expose exactly what went wrong during the Cloudbleed incident. Cloudflare, of course, provides DDoS protection and uh, some SSL proxy and other services for people. And uh, they had a bug in, in their caching proxy that uh, accidentally disclosed, it turns out, some internal TLS keys uh, that were used uh, between their own systems, which they had implemented to protect themselves against NSA-style uh, hacking like it allegedly occurred at Google and other tech giants uh, on their internal networks. But it was kind of a step-by-step on all the mistakes that happened uh, leading up to the errors being introduced into the code, uh, what types of errors in the code they were, all the way to the back end uh, on the other end of it, which is how they responded. And in fact, the, the you know they had a struggle with one of their key engineers not being available in the middle of the night to respond to some texts. And they didn't really have a process uh, necessarily to work around that easily. And so... Uh, it, this is exactly what we like to see after one of these major incidents. We all understand that we make mistakes and we have errors and we end up sadly being hacked on occasion. And when we can learn from one another's mistakes, that's when we get to be greater at what we do as professionals. And uh, kudos to Dr. Cumming and to Cloudflare for being so gracious as to share their one of their embarrassing moments with all of us and explain exactly how they got down the wrong path and how they're preventing themselves from making that type of error again the future. It's an incredible thing for us to learn from. And then the closing keynote this afternoon was by Brian Honan. Uh, Brian's quite a famous uh, Irish security researcher and works with the CERT there and has been a long-standing uh, member of our community. And, and Brian really was talking a lot more about sort of uh, a few different things, you know, ending ending the FUD in the security industry of uh, constantly, uh, you know, beating the scare drum that, that gets people to think they need to be buying things to the point that uh, even reasonably technical professionals these days often don't even understand the 
origin of terms because they're hearing such a, a mutated, weird version of it from salespeople and marketing people and all kinds of other things trying to get them to buy stuff. Uh, but also about openness in the community. It's sort of, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a nice close to uh, Dr. Cummings Open because... It, we're not learning from too many of these mistakes. And he pointed out things like Sony and uh, Equifax and, uh, you know, many of these other large scale hacks that we hear about in the news and how we never actually learn the true story. So we all get to go out and make the same mistakes over and over again. And uh, often when we do hear the stories, they're not even necessarily accurate. And so I, I think Brian's talk to me was sort of bringing us back around to understanding that our strongest asset is our community and our collaboration and not just sharing our successes, but certainly sharing our failures, no different than we see uh, in the safety of the aircraft industry and things like that, that he used as examples. And I thought it was a very moving talk. And I joked with you, John, that it almost sounded to me like I was hearing things that were in my own head coming out in Irish. So do you have any closing thoughts before we wrap up the podcast? Well, for anybody who hasn't been to a virus Bolton before and has the opportunity to. I think uh, it's a great conference that, uh, you know, you, you don't get the salespeople, the marketing people, not that they're not lovely people, but this is really a techies conference that helps you understand the types of things that the researchers are dealing with every single day. So uh, for the listeners out there who do have a chance to maybe attend one of these at some point, uh, I do recommend it. Uh, and, and just one final note on um, on Brian's talk as well. I think a, a piece that I took away that I really enjoyed, which, which really matches and meshes well with the message that we try to spread, uh, is the fact that the pointing fingers and laughing at people uh, after they've had a security incident, while it might be cathartic to you, uh, is not really that helpful in our industry. And it's time that maybe some of us try to reach out to some of them and, and help and, and see how we can help, right? If if you have a contact somewhere that's willing to allow you to, to give any kind of a hand in, in remediating an event like a breach, then do help. And all that kind of help is, is much appreciated and uh, will, will serve to make the community that much stronger and serve to make the organizations that much more resilient and secure in the end. So I think that's a, a great positive message that Brian was sending to the community. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, if, if, if you didn't patch the system, why? Was it hard? Was there a problem? Was there a mistake? Was it missed? If so, how did you do it? And how would you do it next time? Like these are important things to ask because not all the systems get patched uh, and for many, many different reasons. And we're not learning from that. So uh, with that, we'll conclude Sofa Security Chat Chat 263. As always, for the latest podcasts, uh, you can uh, go to podcast.sophos.com where, uh, you know, Naked Security, we're on RSS, we're on iTunes, we're on TuneIn, we're all the good places that you can find your favorite podcasts. And until next time, stay secure.